0: Hey, everybody, George Robson here, worship arts pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. So, you might think if you were here last week that during the scriptures, I said, you know, we honor God by standing for the scripture reading. So, I'm going to ask you once again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this morning, I intentionally want to let you stay seated for the scriptures. There's two ways that I tend to, to move through the reading of God's holy word. One is the more formal, please stand for the reading, and we'll read the scripture together, or I'll read it to you. Uh, but typically, they're shorter. This morning's scripture is a longer scripture. Um, It's Genesis 24 verses one through 27. So if you wanna open the pew Bible to that, um, I'm not gonna go through it step by step. So it'll actually be helpful for you to have it in front of you because then you can kinda see where I'm going and maybe read the verses that I'm not going to. Um, The choir was amazing this morning, thank you. Thank you. Um, doesn't Nancy play amazing? Like I love it. Praise God! Right? Praise God that we can have such amazing um, music that 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 aids us in glorifying God in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Right. We also, I don't know if you can look up there. We've got a couple people up there. They're like the techies. Um, They're making sure that the sound is good so you can hear it. They're making sure that the words are on the wall so you can see it. Um, They're amazing too, and they're such a critical part of what we do in worship. Especially, we have an online audience, I don't know if you know that, you can watch online. They're making sure that the technology is carrying that um, in amazing ways, miraculous ways. So thank you so much, guys. Um, uh, John, in particular, is on this. Yeah. John is, uh, is our slide guy today. So he's my dance partner because it's not like I'm going to read it straight through. He's going to try and figure out where I'm going and when I'm going and then try and show you the verse that I'm on. So um, if anything isn't right, it's all my fault um, because he doesn't quite know exactly where I'm going this morning. Isn't that fun, John? Yeah. We're in a sermon series called Sacred Trusts, or Sacred Trust, and we talked about how wonderful this space is and how precious it is that we get to carry on as Christians a sacred trust, a sacred trust that lended so much to the vision of not only the sanctuary we're sitting in, but the the three phases of building that went on and the incredible amount of, of... energy and vision and Holy Spirit power and money that went into creating this space so that we could carry on this sacred trust that's been given to us. God has, God has given it to us. And I, I want to believe that God could, could speak to us or, or impact our lives without, in isolation, without people, around. But so often, as in the Great Commission, we're called to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we do that. We do that with our families. We do that with our friends. We do that with our neighbors. I want to suggest to you, and, and I don't want to get down on the church, but, and I own it more than anybody because I'm a pastor, here, the church is failing in its mission. We're not doing a good job. We're we're either presenting Jesus Christ in a way that isn't appealing to folks outside the church, judgmentalism, however, right? Or, Or we're just not being invitational. One of the pastors I love to listen to talks about love. He, he talks about um, how, how, as Christians, we're called to love as we've been loved. And, and that's like loving unrelentlessly. It's loving in a way that, like, if you're at work or if you're in your community, like, people should just know you because of the incredible love you have for the people around you. So, honestly, I'm not always that. I'm trying and I'm praying and I hope you are too I hope you that you're inviting people to church so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can be part of a community that celebrates the good news of Jesus Christ and so that maybe they can invite Jesus into their lives so that they can too experience the freedom that he offers the forgiveness from sins the redemption of our very sins and an eternity with God, a God who loves us so much and knows us by name. Right last week, we talked about that. God called to Abraham. He's calling to you. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows, believe it or not, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen. So, so here we go. We're, we're in the sermon series Sacred Trust. We're in week three. The first week, we talked about how God calls us sometimes to get outside of our comfort zones. What is it that, that you know, for a- Abram, this is Abraham before he became Abraham. His name was Abram. He was at his dad's house enjoying family and friends and a place that became comfortable in his homeland. And all of a sudden, God says, go. I have something better for you. And if you go, you'll be blessed. And we all get settled in our comfort spaces, Right? We get comfortable with different things in different places. And God, sometimes that's where, right where God wants us. But other times, God's saying, no, 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 the guy across the street who you wave to once in a while, that's comfortable. But go and talk to him and invite him to church. Pray that you have opportunities to talk to people about me in your workplace, in your community, in your club, in the women's auxiliary. You know, you name it. But go. Get outside of your comfort zone for me. And that's what he said to Abram. Then, week two, last week we talked about um, how God really challenged Abraham. Now, and if you weren't here this is this was so powerful god challenged abraham and i think he's challenging each one of us to think about what it is we might love more than god because if you love anything more than god we need to put that on a metaphorical Metaphorical altar and sacrifice it to God. There is no thing more important than God. And that was God's message to Abraham, I think, in that passage that we read last week. Not even your son, Abraham, is more important than me, not your spouse, not your job. Not your wealth, not your camels, not nothing. God's number one. This week, I want to share with you, we're going to talk a little bit about Isaac, his son, who God promised would bring forth the blessings. And and God is going to bless Abraham and Abraham's descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the sands on the seashore. And the scripture reading this morning, starting in verse 24 talks a little bit about um, Abraham setting Isaac up. So, uh, when I was in my teens and 20s, um, I had ideas in my head about what it was that I needed, and I needed some kind of social life. And I was a church kid, I grew up in the church. Um, but I, I, these these ideas from the culture were penetrating what I thought about life and corrupting it. Maybe you've been there. Maybe when you were in your 20s or your teens, you were doing things that mm, you might not have been too proud of, but you thought was right or good at the time. And uh, they cloud your judgment. And I... I went through that period of time um, and at about in 1995, so am I dating myself? I told you I was 74. So how old was I if I was 74 in 1985 or 1995? Um, I'm not 74, just kidding. Uh, I was finishing college and, and I was trying to stop drinking for a long time And other things. But I finally, by God's grace, I was freed from that burden. But it took years of praying and trying to get to the point when I could. About a, a, in, the, in that time period, I had a friend um, who was a drummer in a band. And the band was a pretty good band. They were gigging all over North Jersey and in Manhattan. And every once in a while, she was a friend from Seton Hall. I worked in the athletic department, so she was a friend from the athletic department. Every once in a while, she would invite us and a couple of people to come see them perform in the city. So we would go. And and at one point, about a month after I had stopped drinking, She invited me to go with a couple of friends of hers, a couple from Seton Hall, where I was at, and, um, and a couple from the band, to a concert. I hate concerts. I don't like crowds. I don't... Uh, I like loud music, but, like, the kind of music I like. And this was not, like, my favorite artist. It wasn't, like... You know, Millie Vanilli or something. So that was a joke too. You guys are you'll you'll get there. We'll get there together. Um, it was a Melissa Etheridge concert. Do you know Melissa Etheridge? So I, at that at that point, I think she had like one hit that I knew, and uh, and I went. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. So I went. And long story short, I ended up driving the the front the lead singer, the singer in the band that she was drumming, I I drove the girl home to the city where she lived so she didn't have to take the train. And in that car ride, we had this weird conversation. Now picture this. I just stopped drinking, and I was in the midst of a whole parking lot at like the burn arena or whatever it was called at that point with a bunch of people who were tailgating drinking and we went into this concert that i didn't want to be at and my anxiety level was through the roof and then i'm in the car with this girl that i really don't even know driving her home and we end up in a conversation about god Oh no! I hear you. How right? All God. This is divine stuff because I it was not like in my mind that I'm going to evangelize this girl or that I want to talk to her about God. It was like just a natural conversation that ended up where I was sharing with her one of my life verses. Because see, I had just gone through about 10 years of what I thought was fun, but that was clouded thinking. It was actually hell on earth. And through that time, I latched on to Luke 15 because I was the lost sheep. And I knew that God would come and get me because he's the good shepherd. And that was the conversation we had. I think Denise felt that she was far from God. And we were talking about the assurance of God. So, anyway, because I was such a good driver, she invited me back to have, she was going to cook me dinner. Wasn't that nice? Very old fashioned, city girl. So I agreed, and I went back, and we started dating. And then I went to seminary uh, a while later, and she decided that it was worth going to ca- seminary for me. I'm, an, I'm a Jersey guy, so I was. But but everybody's got to live in California once, right? So I wanted to go to Pasadena, California, to go to Fuller. So I got in. I was on my way, and she uh, she felt that she was going to go to California too. So she got a job out there and got an apartment about an hour away from where I was in West Hollywood. And um, God was in that mix too, but this is a long story anyway, but, so I'm not going to show that. But, uh, but the bottom line is, I kind of felt like if God is sending, if, God, if she's going to leave everything, like the city she loves, the band she's in, she's got a job there, Every she's going to leave it all to go to California. I mean, I I need to be uh, if, she, if 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 uh, if this isn't going to work out, I need to be like honest with her. But I didn't know whether it was going to work out or not. You know how certain, certain people are like, I know God has the one for me. You've heard that before, right? I I, I always believed that I I was a pretty easygoing guy, right? I could get along with anybody. That's also a joke. But. But I didn't know, I didn't know. How do you know? How do you know if it's the one? So, I'm in California, Met Seminary, and the beach is my place. I grew up here, I grew up going to and Belmar, Avon, you know, Asbury, uh, that was a joke too. I intentionally skipped Ocean Grove, so we used to come here a lot too. Anyway, um, as a beach person, it's sacred, so I jumped a bus from Pasadena uh, to, uh, to Santa Monica because I was going to pray. I was going to pray for God to let me know whether this girl who, who opened our relationship with conversations about God was the right girl for me to spend the rest of my life with. So I got on a bus, and it transferred in Midtown, L.A., and then I got down there. It took like two hours, and um, I didn't have a car. I left my car here, and I spent a day on the beach praying. And I was like, I don't know. You ever, have you ever been in those situations? I don't know if I should take this job. I don't, know, I don't know what I should do with my kids. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. God, you know, God, tell me. Tell me whether or not. Have you ever been there? So I decided uh, I'm going to ask God for specifics. You ever do specifics with God? I'm like, okay, God, so what do you need to get married? One is do you need what? You can talk, it's okay. Shout from the back, Mike. What's one thing you need when you want to get married? Uh, A partner, I got the partner, maybe. So, So you need a ring, right? You need a ring to get engaged. What's the second thing you need when you need a ring? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Megan's like, I know this, I heard this earlier. I'm gonna, help everybody. I'm gonna help everybody out. A ring and money. So I'm at the beach and I'm like, okay, God, if this is the right person, I know, I know where the New York City you know, Diamond District is. Maybe I could go home, blah, blah, blah. blah. But, but okay, God, so here's the deal. I don't know. And I just if I if I only knew where the LA Diamond District was, that would be that would be a sign. And then I I need money. Like how am I gonna come up with thousands of dollars for a ring? So I get on the bus and I'm driving home, the bus drivers drive me home, and I missed my stop, and I'm getting nervous because it's getting dark. And I'm, I'm kind of new to the bus thing, and, and I'm new in L.A., and, and the bus driver's like, okay, no big deal. Go up here. You walk down a block. I'm going to drop you off. You're going to walk down a block and make a left, and then one more block down, and you can get the transfer back to Pasadena. I'm like, okay, that's great. So I get off the bus, and I walk down a block, and I make the left-hand turn, and what do I see? Signs all over the place. Diamonds. L.A. Diamond District. Yeah, uh, Okay. You checked one box, but I got another one that's even harder. Thousands of dollars. Do you know that week my dad sold my car and I had the money for the ring? I so, okay, she's the right one. So we got married. And have, uh, I've lived in happy bliss for the last 25 years. You'd have to ask her about her happy bliss, but let's talk about the scriptures. Verse one, Abraham was getting old and the Lord blessed him in every way. Did you ever ever think that Abraham was over 100 years old? How long did it take him or maybe how long is it taking you or has have you has it will it take you or maybe did it take you to realize that every moment that you've been given god is blessing you in every way like it took abraham a long time to get there He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had. Last week, we talked about skipping the story of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac, because we don't, we don't really understand the culture of the context. It was thousands of years ago, there's a lot of weird stuff going on that that scholars have done a great job explaining, but the point that wasn't our point to, to explain it and exegete that text and uh, exegete's a fancy word for read the Bible in context. So anyway, I paid a lot of money for that. Um, here's, here's another one of those, right? When, when we have a contract to sign or something, uh, an oath to swear, right? We do it either we like you think of the courtroom, you put your hand on the Bible and I swear to tell the whole truth, right? Or a contr- contractually, we'll have lawyers draw up contracts and we sign them, right? He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear to, by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife for your son from the daughters of Canaan, the Canaanites, where they're at, among whom I'm living, and but go into my country and my own relatives and get a wife from my son Isaac. So there, you, in one in in one section of text, you have this weird thing like he's going to put his hand under his thigh to make a to to make a covenant, right? Okay, that's kind of weird. We don't do that. You can tr- you can start like we can start a new trend if you wanted to, but then you also have the situation where he like I would never want my. It's just like taboo in my head. I wouldn't I wouldn't send my daughter up to my son, uh, up to my brother, so she could marry, so she she could marry her cousin. Like, it's just weird. Like, we don't understand it. So so just to, to accent the idea that it's a long time ago, and there are a lot of things going on that we might not understand fully. So the servant says, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to the land. Shall, then I, shall I take your son back to the country you came? And they, and they start to have clarifying questions. They're, they're engaged in a dialogue with each other, and they're clar- he, he's, the senior servant is trying to clarify with Abraham exactly what the parameters are. There's this conversation that's going on. I want to suggest to you, I have a three-point sermon for you this morning, and it's all about prayer. I want to suggest to you something that you might already know, but maybe you don't, that prayer is active conversation with God. You can talk to God all day long about all kinds of stuff. Because believe it or not, whether you... Talk to God actively. He knows everything that's going on in your life. The prayer part is the blessing of the relationship. It's being with God. It's talk talking to God. It's that, that intimacy. So I shared with you, Denise and I have been married 25 years. And it's just so nice to be. Be with her. But it's also nice to talk to her. Most of the time, she knows what I'm thinking and she knows what I'm going to say, but she, she lets me say it because she loves me. She's much better at it than I am. I have to constantly tell myself, shh, let her talk. Shh, 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 But God is amazing, and it's a conversation that we're we're that he wants us to be in. He talks to us. The second part of that conversation, uh, the second point is that in our prayers, in our conversations with God, we can be specific. The servant was asking specifics to, to Abraham. Hey, what if she doesn't want to come back? And Abraham's like, no way. She's not, that's not the one then. Later on in the passage, as as Abra- as Abraham's senior servant goes to, uh, goes to his father's territory, his father's land, he he goes to God in prayer. He gets to the well, and he he stops and he prays to God. Specifics. He says to God, O Lord, in verse 12, God of my master Abraham, give me success, t- give me success today, and show kindness to my master. See, I have I am standing beside this spring. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that what I say to you, may it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink. And I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. When I was thinking about a sermon title for today, I chose even the camels as the sermon title because I wanted you to remember that God answers our prayers in the specific. If you're unsure, you can go to God God, I don't know what's going on. I don't. I don't know what I, what I should do. I don't know how I should go in this, you know, this direction, that direction. Turn right. Turn left. What job I should take? Who my friends should be? What I should have for dinner? And some of those are big decisions that we face, and big prayers, like, are you going to heal my loved one? What should I do when my kid's at college in different situations? You have a servant of Abraham, the senior servant of Abraham. His name's not even mentioned in the Bible. That's how good God is. God knew Abraham by name and he blessed him and he talked with him and he walked with him. And maybe this morning you're here feeling not quite like God knows you by name. Or maybe God, you're not important enough for God. But here's a guy in the Bible who comes to God and isn't even named. And asks for a specific thing. Hey God, bunch of people coming out. I've got to find somebody for Isaac. Have no idea who family members are or not, but uh, I promised Abraham I would do it. Um, so this is the best I can put out there for you, God. Uh, the one that comes and asks me for water or, or lets me have a drink. From her water, and then says, "Ah, okay, well, that's good enough." But then, then, let, just to make sure, God, I'm going to tack on this little even the camels thing. I want you to answer this prayer, not so ah, it could be, you know, one of ten people, two of twenty people. I'd, it needs to be specific, and you know, his name's not even mentioned in the Bible. And God answered his prayer perfectly. So if you're here this morning and you're not quite, I don't know. I don't know if God really loves me or God knows me. He does. And he will answer your prayers if you're willing to have a conversation and get specific. The last thing that I want to impress upon you or kind of challenge you with is, um, is the fact, do, do, do you know this? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you don't, you can read past Genesis 24 and read coming into next week, we're going to talk, next week we're going to talk about towards the end of, um, well, middle of Jacob's life. We're talking about the God, the Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So next week we're going to talk about Jacob. This week is Isaac. I want you to read, if you can, a little bit about Rebecca. Because Rebecca is the woman that comes out to the well and says, hey, here's here's a drink and I'll take care of your your camels too. Rebecca, she's a little sketchy. Do You know what I mean by that? She's a little conniver sometimes. She kind of helps Jacob like steal a you know birthright get away. Like like there's there's a little bit of she's not perfect, I guess is my point. Well, at least from my vantage point, when I read it in the scripture, she's not perfect. But do you know? That from God's vantage point, she was the one to bring Jacob into the world. Who was the one who became Israel. Who this sacred trust we've been given came Jesus, the savior of the world. So maybe she wasn't perfect, and maybe you're not perfect. But God can move in your life perfectly so that his plan is perfectly executed over time. Did you know God answers prayers in three ways? What's one way? Yeah, of course. Sometimes we pray, and and we don't hear anything, or like, Abraham sitting at home waiting for the servant to come back. And he's, you know, like, what's another way God answers prayer sometimes? You have to wait, right? You have to be patient. What's the third way God answers prayer? It's not no. No. God is always loving us and affirming us. When I was in college before I met my wife, I was a mess and, um, and I was doing important things and I had a girlfriend. Um, had a couple I dated a couple of girls in, during college and um, there's one girl. I thought she was the one. I prayed that she, uh, that that God would work it all out, and she and we'd be good, and we'd get married, and all that. I and did you know we broke up? Did God say no to me? I I didn't I didn't hear no. I mean kind of I did but but God answers prayers yes be patient or I've got something even better for you if you're praying and you're not getting the answer that you want do you trust God enough to know that coming down the road is something even better. Maybe you prayed for being a job. I want this job. I want this job. I want this job. And you didn't get it. But all of a sudden now, you're in something that you're loving. I have have teenagers, so I'm still working through this because I'm praying and not getting. And I know it's coming, but it's a long way out. Maybe you're in the midst of that in your life. You know, we, have, we, we live in the midst of a society, there's, there's two things um, that you really should know as Christians. One is a scary and sad statistic. Do you know what one of the top 10 websites visited in America is? Pornhub. Pornhub. Am I allowed to say that in this place? That's scary when it's one of the 10 most visited sites. You know, the other thing, the other really hard thing for us as Christians to acknowledge is that our young people, and maybe you did too when you were in your teens. Our young people are high school students or elementary school students. They're wrestling with drugs and alcohol at earlier and earlier ages. But they're they're also wrestling in a way that maybe you didn't about their sexual identity. And we need to be able to talk about that and be able to talk with them about that in ways that are loving and not judgmental. And it's tough, it's tough. And when we're praying for them, we should be. We should be praying for all kinds of addictions in America and people who are addicted because addiction is a terrible, terrible disease to, to wrestle with and to break. And the only real way to break it is to admit that God is God. And God has to do it. But we also need to be praying for our young people. So that they know that they have a God who loves them and a God who will sacrifice for them and a God who is personal with them and a God who will answer their prayers. And sometimes prayers take a while to be answered and other times God is answering them, telling them they got some. God has something even better for them, and it's coming. When I was growing up, we we lived in a. Uh, I, we had a house in Marlton. I spent some of my childhood in Marlton, New Jersey, and then some of it in Wall. And in Marlton, in particular, we had this beautiful house and a little ranch in a community and. Um, and my friends had this too. I don't know, it was weird back in the 70s. Um, you had a room in the house. Like we, You'd come in the front door, which is odd anyway. You always went in the garage door. But you, you came in the front door, and there was this room in the house on the left. And nobody ever used it. It was like the sacred room. There were people in my community that actually had like plastic covering their, like, couches and chairs and stuff for the, in this room. Do you have one of those? Maybe you have one. But it's, it was the living room, right? Well, I guess it wasn't called, well, yeah, I guess it was the formal living room, right? It was for the special people who were formal that were going to come over that never came over, right? But nobody was allowed in there. You, you were either in the den. You know, we had a formal living, a dining room, too. Do you have a dining room, Right? Um, we had, I, I, right now, we had a dining room in our house and when COVID hit, we got rid of the formal dining room because it was a waste of space. We never had anybody over that we got all formal with. Like I didn't put a tie and a jacket on and you know, wear, have my pipe and my wife got her dress on and, and we just never did that. So so we got rid of that and we turned it into a workout room because we weren't allowed to go to the gym anymore because COVID, anyway, long story short, I grew up in a house where we had a dining room, a formal dining room, when the special people came over. But you know who the most special people were in our lives? Can you guess? I'm sure you can guess. The most special people in our lives were the ones that came into our kitchen and sat at our old oak round table table and played with us in the den. When Jesus Christ came into this world, I want to suggest to you that he took all the formality of the Passover meal, of the temple, the outer courts, the inner courts, the inner sanctuary, all that, he tore apart. Because he was in the midst of creating a world where you and I We can come as we are and sit at God's kitchen table. We're family. As messy as it might be, we're invited in to the kitchen. So this morning we're gonna go through a, a formal liturgy, a traditional liturgy. It's World Communion Sunday. So we have Christians all over the world celebrating with us, some of which who are, will be using the same exact words that we use as we celebrate what Christ has done for us. The first part that I want to engage with you on, you're going to have to open your hymnal for because I don't think John has slides for this. I think it's on page 8. Yes. It is ultimately important for any committed Christian, and if you're here for the first time, and you're exploring faith or you're online and you're watching this and you're wondering, you know, if, if this is the right thing for me, if Jesus is, is really who he is, if you, if you have any of, any of that stuff going on, that's, it's okay. But for committed Christians, for members of the church, people who have taken a vow, it's super important that we take every word in the prayer of confession and pardon seriously. Because we live in a world where addiction is running rampant and kids are facing struggles that, that we might not even be able to imagine. And we need to recognize that we are broken and lost without Christ as well. So I want to invite you to share with me the bold in the text is what we read together. And I'll quiet down so we can hear each other's voices. And then there's the regular text is my part. And then the bold again is your response. So would you, would you pray with me? We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church, or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceangroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceangroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.